pray that you would release them by the power of your spirit, God. I pray that you would help them to feel your love, your joy, your peace, and your compassion in the name of Jesus. Help them, God, to leave this place differently than they came in. We come together by faith and in agreement. We cancel this assignment of the enemy on our family member right now. It's good to see you all today, whether you call New City your home or whether you're visiting with us for the first time. I'm grateful that you are here. My name is Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at New City Church. And if you were with us last week, Pastor Gabe uh, started for us a two-part series that will conclude today entitled Freely. And it is a series on generosity. Our communications team did a wonderful job creating these uh, little cards for us. They look like little credit cards. They have the scripture uh, series title on them. Uh, I encourage you to grab one of these on your way out. They also have a QR code uh, on them with a link uh, to our giving page there. So feel free to grab those on your way out. So our scripture lesson that was read, we read 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7. Paul says that for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Why would Paul say something like why would he say something like that? With this statement, I want to suggest to you that by saying this, Paul is speaking to the heart of the matter. He's speaking to the heart of the matter because God ultimately doesn't want our money. He wants our hearts. God wants you and I to live freely. He wants us to live Freely. Now, as I dive into the second part of our Freely series, let me, let me start by stomping out a giving myth. You might have said it. You might have thought of it uh, on your own. But it says this. It says, when I earn more, I'll give more. When I earn more, I'll give more. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, I've said that. I've thought it in my own heart. But I need you to know this, that giving doesn't begin in our bank accounts. Giving or generosity begins in our Hearts. Now, if you were with us last week, Pastor Gabe uh, mentioned the difference between generosity and giving. And he said generosity is more about the inner posture of our hearts, while giving is the result or it is the outflow of the posture of our hearts. And we see many examples of this 
in Scripture, don't we? We see this demonstrated in the five loaves and the two fish and in the widow's might and in the anointing perfume. We see many examples of this. But, but in our lesson today in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, uh, the Apostle Paul is sharing with us principles for the church at Corinth about what their giving needs to look like as Christ followers. And these biblical principles have become the framework for our own generosity here at New City. Now, for, for just a little bit more context to what's happening here, Paul is writing to collect a financial offering, which will benefit the Christians in Jerusalem. And he's collecting these, this offering from many of the churches that he himself planted among the Gentiles. And he's using the Macedonian church as an example of generosity in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's using them as an example and to inspire and teach the Corinthians, and he's encouraging them to get in on this as well. So, as we look now at, a, at the five P's of generosity here at New City, uh, last week we covered the first two. Feel free to go back and take a listen to that message if you were not with us. Um, but we learned last week that our financial giving must first be prayerful. Must first be prayerful. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, 1 through 5 cover this, but I want to highlight something for us. Uh, chapter 8, verse number 5 says, their first action, their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. And with that, we ask a simple but necessary question. Have you prayed about your giving? Have you prayed about your giving? See, generosity doesn't make sense unless we first give ourselves to God. Again, generosity begins in our hearts and flows as an act of worship. But the scripture says that the Macedonians begged for the privilege to give. They begged for the privilege to give in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 4. Now if you go back two verses, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2, it says they were being tested by many troubles and they were very poor. Very poor. Now, I don't know about you, but that stood out to me. They weren't just your regular poor, not just your standard poor. They were very poor. To me, that means you take the word poor and you take the O-R off the end of it. They were poor. They were poor. Now, it reminds me of the days when we were in that position growing up. And, and, and if you never experienced that, like as a kid, I remember in high school, my brother and I, you know, I have a twin brother. We had to share three pairs of pants between the two of us. We had days when we had to do homework before the sun went down because electricity bill wasn't paid, or we had to do homework by candlelight. This is what I envision, right? Different times, of course, but this is why I envision when the scripture says they begged to give, but they were very poor. Now, by the world standards, by the world standards, they might have been justified not only in not giving, but in having their hand out because they were, they were very poor. But the end of verse 2 of chapter 8 says, but they were also filled with abundant joy, which overflowed in rich generosity. So as I read this, I said to myself, let me get this straight. They were tested by many troubles, and they were poor. So they were tested, and things were tight, yet they didn't want, this, they didn't want to let this opportunity of generosity pass them by. Clearly, they were motivated by something beyond their circumstances. Clearly. There was something else that motivated them. And I would suggest to you that's because their first action was to give themselves to God. Their first action 
was to give themselves to God. And so that's why we begin this series by saying our giving, our generosity must first and foremost be present. The second thing we looked at last week is that our generosity must be prioritized. We looked at the fact that most of us spend, save, and then give, right? So God gets the leftovers. And so for you and I, it means not only should our giving be prayerful, but it should be prioritized, right? Paul said in verses 6 and 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he said, you excel in many things. You excel in many things. I want you to excel. I'll make your giving a priority as well. And so today I want to I talk about these final three P's of generosity. And for that, I want us to look together at 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. We'll begin today by starting out uh, with the thought that not only should our generosity be prayerful and prioritized, it should also be planned. It should also be planned. And let's look at um, verses 3 through 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 together. It says this, it says, but I am sending these brothers to be sure you are really ready, as I have been telling you, and that your money is all collected. I don't want you to be, I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment. If some Macedonian believers came to me and found that you weren't ready, after all, I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Now notice he uses the word ready three times in the verse that we just read. He uses the word ready three times. In other words, Paul is suggesting that I know your hearts are ready, but are your wallets ready? I know your hearts are ready, but is your wallet ready? In other words, have you planned to be generous? I think it's safe to say that most of us want to be generous. I'm going to go on a limb and say that. You don't mind if I speak for you, right? I'm going to go on a limb and say that most of us want to be generous, but our lack of planning won't allow us to be. Many of us, in other words, have a heart for generosity, but not a head for generosity because we don't plan for it. As a, for instance, God moves in your heart and you want to give to what you believe he's clearly doing. But when you consult your wallet and your calendar about it, your money is already spoken for. Your money is already spoken for. So you can't be obedient to what you believe God wants you to do. However, when we plan to be generous, we tell our money where it's going and not the other way around. And so for you and I, we should plan our giving, but we also need to have the faith to follow through on it. So the truth is that you and I can plan now to be generous. And here's the thing. The more planned we are now, the freer we'll be later. The more planned we are now, the freer we'll be later. And this, now, this is important. I need you to hear me on this. Since giving is a matter of the heart, our hearts are the first place where we need to create margin and space to be generous. That's why practicing gratitude is important for many of us. Practicing gratitude. Because it's easy to overlook the things that God has done. It's easy to overlook the fact that you once prayed for what you have now. It's easy. It's easy for us, if we're honest, to overlook that. But from a practical standpoint, related to planning our giving, I would suggest that online giving is a great way for us to plan it. Now, I know for some of us, that might not be our preference. 
But for myself personally, Jacqueline and I, it's helped us tremendously. Because we don't need to replan every month how we're going to be generous. We don't have to replan it every month. We plan an amount to give, and then we automate it. And then throughout the year, we remain open to God to be spontaneous however he chooses to lead us to give, whether it's to other partnerships or ministries, as he leads. But we have the freedom and flexibility to do that because we plan our generosity. Now, while our giving should be planned and automation is a good way for you and I to do that, I want to be clear that we don't want your generosity to be mindless, right? Now, for some of us, if we automate our giving, it's easy to just automate it and forget about it. But I don't want, I don't want your plan generosity to be mindless. So with that, what I would suggest is if you automate your giving, that when you see that giving alert, that email that reminds you that your giving has gone through, that you use that as a moment of gratitude, as a moment of gratitude. When you see that email or that alert come through, that's a good opportunity to pause and just thank God because he's the one that gave the provision, the opportunity, and the means to give in the first place. And so for us, our giving, it should be prayerful, it should be prioritized, it should be planned, but then Paul goes on to say that our generosity needs to be personal. Personal. I love what he says in verse 7, the first part of the verse. He says, each one must give what he has decided in his heart. Each one, each one must give what he has decided in his heart. So to answer the question, where should I give or how much should I give? Make it personal. Make it personal. Giving was once a matter of the law. Now it's a matter of the what? Heart. It's a matter of the heart. The scripture does not say that God loves a dutiful giver, does it? It's not what we read. It says that God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Listen to me. The only way to be cheerful about giving something away is to know that it never belonged to you in the first place. Our responsibility is stewardship over what we have and knowing that everything that we have belongs to God. Because here's the thing, the law cannot make you cheerful. Only love does that. Only love does that. Love gives. This is why God, this is why Paul said God loves a cheerful giver. This is why we began this by saying that giving or generosity is a matter of the heart. Now, if you grew up, if you grew up uh, believing and, and, and practicing tithing as 10%, I think that's a wonderful biblical practice and a great way to give towards or to give from. In fact, Tim Keller says people who were looking forward to Jesus gave 10%. What should people who have experienced Jesus do? But I need you to know that we don't give according to the law. We give according to love. We don't give according to the law. We give according to love. Romans 13 says all the law was fulfilled in what? Love. All the law was fulfilled in love. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Again, what we begin to understand is giving or generosity is a matter of the heart. Because the love of money 
will cause us to pinch ourselves so we get money and sorrow. Don't get me wrong. Money has its place, right? Money gives us options. It allows us to do things. But the scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. The, the love of money. Again, where is your heart around generosity of other givers? That's what I need you to understand, that God is concerned with where our hearts are related to how we give. Now, for us, the local church, the local church is the primary agent that God desires to use to bring his kingdom here on earth. The church, you and I, the primary agent that he desires to use to bring his kingdom here on earth. So if you call New City home, my encouragement to you would be to give and support the ministry here. That would be my encouragement as your pastor, to give and support the ministry here. To say it another way, if you are able and you regularly eat from the table that's called New City, consider helping us buy the grocery. Because God is going to use us, has used us, will use us to do some mighty things for the kingdom of God. Do some mighty things. Again, what you give, make it personal. Make it personal. That's between you and God, right? And I need you to know also that with, with New City, one of the things I love about our church is that there's nothing to hide here in terms of the allocation of the resources given to New City. There's nothing to hide. In fact, you will receive an email today with links to our impact reports, audit reports, and our annual budget. But I need you to know that God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. That's God's heart for you and I. God wants something for you and I. And as a pastor, I have had so many people come and share personal stories about how God met them in their generosity. Only God's stories of his provision. Only God's stories. Now, you only get only God's stories when you trust in only God's things. You all have heard my story, Value in the Valley. You've heard it. Me trusting God. In only God ways. The backside of that story is, you know how many times I wanted to go back to the D.C. area. I wanted to get my job back as a fireman. I had to trust God. And God is calling us. Faith, faith demands that you and I trust the living God. And that's what this is about. That's why generosity is a matter of the heart. So our giving should be prayerful. It should be prioritized. It should be planned. And it should be personal. Finally, Paul says that our generosity needs to be progressive. In 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11, it says it should be progressive. Let's look at this. It says, for God is the only, is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way. So that you can always be generous. And when we take our gifts to those who need, they will thank God. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every way. In other words, God does not bless us because of our giving. I want to be clear. God does not bless us because of our giving. We are blessed because of God's grace. We are blessed because of God's grace. We are blessed to be a blessing. 
Again, this is not that prosperity gospel stuff that says that when you give, God is somehow under an obligation to bless you financially. In that scenario, you would be God. You would be God. Because that's ultimately what false gospels are. And this is, if, you, if you've been rocking with us, you know that this is what we've seen in the Israelites in the time of Judges, which we'll pick back up with that next week. But I need you to know that we didn't make the first move in the gospel. In our relationship with Christ, we didn't make the first move. He did. And so, our giving is a response to the inexpressible gift that God gave us in Christ Jesus. Our giving is a response. And so we progress in our giving as we grow in God's grace. And we measure our progress by looking back, not forward. When we take the time to look back at what God has done, by his grace, we can clearly see the progress that we've made. And that's a challenge for many of us, right? Not that we shouldn't be forward-looking and forward-thinking, but sometimes looking back, that's why the scripture calls us many times to remember. Remember what God has done. It's easy to get caught up in today and the, the troubles and the frustrations of today that we forget that, hold up, one day you prayed for this. You're son of God. You prayed for the house you now live in. And so as we grow in God's grace, as we become progressive in our giving, sometimes it's just a matter of looking back to see how far God has brought us. And not only that, as we progress in our giving, we learn that we can trust God in our giving. Now, I'll be the first to say, it's not always an easy thing to do, but God is faithful, right? God meets us. He's faithful to meet us in our need, not our greed. He's faithful to meet us in our need, not our greed. And by his grace, we'll discover that his way is the best way, even with our money. I mean, giving. We'll come to understand that. We'll come to know that. Now, for my folks that are a little younger in the room, my encouragement to you is not to wait until you're further along in life to be generous. You can start now with what God has given you. But hear me clearly, generosity is not just about money. Some of us have gifts we've been sitting on. Some of us have some unprofitable time slots that we can be using more profitably for the kingdom of God. So when you think about generosity, I need you to think holistically about generosity. Generosity is not just about money. We can learn the joy of giving now. No matter how God is calling you and I to be generous and to give. So the five P's of generosity here in New City are number one, prayerful. It should be prioritized. should be planned. should be personal. But they should also be I'll end with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 says this. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. Since the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So biblical generosity results in meeting real needs and in experiencing more thanksgiving. I want to be clear that a unique only God story awaits you 
However God is calling you to be generous, a unique, only God story awaits you, awaits us on the other side of our generosity. Because God doesn't want something from you by way of money. That's ultimately God's heart. And a lot of us have put more security 